Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Friday, September sixteenth, twenty twenty two, and as always, it is a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited. We didn't really get to do it last week because of so much going on with UFC 279 and backstage press conference fights and weigh-in preparations for a card that did not look the same. Hours later, as it did when we talked last Friday, but Friday shows are the best because it is free for all Friday, which means we can talk about MMA, we can talk about the MMA media space, we can talk about certain fights. There is no real plan here. We just throw all the rules out the window and, excuse me, allergies are killing me today, so bear with me. Uh, So we just throw the rule book out the window and we just... Tag you guys in. You guys ask questions. I will respond in kind. And that's it. So I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get right into this thing. And we'll start with Abzwalia to get us started on this free-for-all Friday. Hey, up, Hello, hey, sir. Can you hear me? How you doing? Yeah, yep. hi, sir. Um, i got three questions I want to ask you. I'll, get, I'll keep it very quick. Um, How do you see Sean Strickland and Jared Cannonier playing out? And what's the possible outcome if for either fighter who wins? Um, also, just one touch on Bilal versus Sean. I think um, if Bilal wins that fight, I think it shows he's a very legit contender because he's fighting someone who's a rising star in the division. And if Sean Brady wins, it shows that he's also got potential in uh, the welterweight. And the third one I have is uh, how do you see um, the Bryce Mitchell fight playing out? That's all I have. Thank you, man. 
Thanks, man. So, <clears throat> excuse me, golly. So, three interesting fights. Uh, one of them, we'll start with the Sean Strickland, Jared Cannonier one going down December 17th. Um, it's targeted as the main event. It's, from what I hear, it's not like 100% locked and loaded to be the main event for that card, but it's trending in the right direction. It's definitely happening on that card. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not it's going to be five rounds or not. And that could actually make this fight a little more interesting if it is five rounds because Cannonier is just such a powerhouse. He's very well conditioned, obviously, <clears throat> but Strickland can just go out and throw that volume all day long. So, <clears throat> all right. Hopefully that's the last time I have to clear my throat. I lean Strickland's just because of the volume and from a stylistic perspective, but he's also coming off of a really nasty knockout loss to Alex Pereira and Jared Cannonier can freaking crack. So it just depends on how Sean approaches the fight because I talked to Eric Nixick a couple of weeks ago before UFC 279 and we talked about that fight in particular because a lot of people were like, who the hell is this guy's coaches? How would they allow him to have such a game plan? And Eric was like, yeah, the game plan was to go in and wrestle this dude. And Sean was like, nah, I'm just going to go and get in his face for a little while. And when Sean first mentioned it, probably on Wednesday before the fight, he said, I'm just going to stand with him for like a minute. And then as the week progressed, it was like, and it's going to be two minutes. And it's a, then it turned into, well, I'm going to do it for like half the round. And by that point, the fight had gone in a really bad direction. So uh, Eric was even telling me that there were people in the gym that were like, I'm going to bet on Sean. He's going to wrestle, right? And Eric's like, well, that's the game plan to wrestle. It's just a matter of whether or not he executes it. Sean went in there and tried to stand with Alex Pereira, and he got knocked out. So we'll see. I, I assume the team over at Extreme Couture and Eric Nixick in particular are going to make sure that whatever game plan they have set up, that they're going to follow through with it. And if they do, I will lean Sean Strickland. But Jared's a good fighter. He's real good. And it's, it's a close fight. So I'll lean Sean, especially if it's a five-rounder. If it's three-rounder, if it ends up being like a co-main event three-rounder or something, maybe I'll look into it a little bit more. But I'm going to act as if this is undoubtedly the main event. And in that case, I'll, I'll go with Sean to weather any major storm. I think the wrestling, Jared can wrestle too, but I think Sean wrestles in a different way to wear his opponents out if he needs to do it. But for the most part, I see this fight being on the feet most of all. And I think the volume can just kind of annoy Cannonier for a bit. And I think he could, he could win, but it's a really close fight. No doubt about that. Brady Bilal, another really interesting fight. Bilal is definitely the better striker. There is just no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And I think Sean will probably tell you the same thing. But Sean has more power on the feet than Bilal Muhammad has. Bilal is the better, more technical striker, the better volume striker. He puts on a hell of a pace. And we saw in Sean Brady's last fight against Michael Chiesa, he gassed out a little bit in that third round and the tides turned into to Michael Chiesa's favor. And if that was a five round fight, Chiesa, there's a very good chance he would have gone out and finished Sean Brady. It's a three rounder. I think Sean has learned his lessons. He's taken some time off. He had to deal with the nose and had some surgery 
and he's breathing a lot better. So this is probably the best that he's actually been able to breathe through his nose in a very, very long time, probably the entirety of his UFC career. But this fight's going to get to the ground at some point. And Sean is a monster. He is way bigger than Bilal Muhammad. He's way more physical than Bilal Muhammad. But Bilal is a very intelligent fighter. <clears throat> Another really tough one to call. I mean, I'm going to go Sean Brady. I could see this one going very similar to the Kiesa fight where Brady wins the first two rounds, has to work a lot to try to retain advantageous positions, and then Bilal just really picking up in the third and things could get really dicey. But I love that fight. And then, as we confirmed yesterday, Mavzar of Loya versus Bryce Mitchell. Good God. That's a great fight. November 5th. I'm kind of shocked that they're matching these two guys up right now. But at this point, I mean, there's really nothing else you could do here. So I love the matchup. It's a, I mean, this is, this is a dog-eat-dog fight. Two of the best up-and-comers in this division. Eileen of Loyev. In this one, I mean, Bryce is just such an animal with his grappling and his top control and just his offensive grappling in particular. But Mavzar is just great everywhere. Bryce, I mean, you could see, you saw in the Edson Barboza fight that Bryce ain't afraid to get in there and scrap with anybody. Even Edson Barboza, he'll trade hands with him, but he didn't need it. And he just ran him over. So I think if, I'm going to lead of Loyev because I think he's got more tools in the toolbox, but if Bryce can start chaining together takedowns and having success early, it's going to be a tough one for Mavzar. There's no doubt about it, but I lean Mavzar, but that fight absolutely rules, and I can't wait for November 5th. So back-to-back -back weeks, we get two very big featherweight fights in the UFC. We got the Calvin Cater Arnold Allen main event October 29th, and then the following Saturday, we get Bryce Mitchell, Mavzar of Loya. A fight, by the way, I would like to see for five rounds. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I know both sides are open to it being a five round fight. If for some reason, let me look, let me just look this up real quick. I want to make sure, uh, where are we? Arnold Allen. So I want to go and just look at the card right now. Cause I'm not fully sure what it looks like right now, but let me see. Bear with me for one moment. I should have been more prepared for this because I knew this question was going to be asked. There is no main event. Oh, no. Yeah, there is no main event right now. If they bump that to the main event, I would have no issue with it whatsoever. I know Marita Rodriguez and Amanda Lamos is on this card, but no disrespect to them. Bryce Mitchell, Bob Zarevloyev is definitely the main event <laughs> between those two fights. Uh, but they might be working on something else. So, so who knows? But if that gets bumped to the main event, I would have no issue with that whatsoever. Let's go to Chase. Chase, hello. Are you there? Yeah. I'm getting nothing from you, Chase. Jump back in. I'll 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 get you up. Let's go to Tony Yayo. Tony, are you there? Oh, there we go. I hear you. Are you there? You were there for a second.
All right. Same with you, Tony. Just jump back in and hopefully we can get you connected. Let's go to Average Avenues 11. Hello, sir. What's up? I got you. Okay, I've got I've got a simple one for you. Can you explain to me how somehow in in this god in God's green earth, Colby Covington and Robert Whitaker aren't on the pound for pound list, the UFC pound for pound list? It makes no goddamn sense. All right, have a good day, man. Cheers. Uh, that is a great question, uh, but just understand that those rankings are just simply rankings. The only rankings that matter, of course, are the MMA fighting global rankings. And I believe both of those gentlemen are in our pound for pound rankings as they should be. Uh, Robert Whitaker is tied for ninth. Oh, Colby's not up there. Yeah, Colby's not up there. I'm kind of surprised, but it's all right. He's on my personal list. Uh, Robert Whitaker tied for ninth. You can make a compelling case that he should be higher than that. Uh, Max Hall, like at our list, we have, it's Volkanovsky. I've had Volkanovsky up there for a while, even before Usman got knocked out. Adesanya, number two. You can make a really strong case for Adesanya right now. Oliveira's three, Leon Edwards, four, Nganu, five. Usman, six. Sterling, seven. Max Holloway is eight. I would have, I know for a fact I had Robert Whitaker and Colby ranked in my personal rankings above Max Holloway. Max is a good fighter, but he's lost three out of his last four. And he got, I and Max is great, but he got styled on by Volkanovsky. That was one-way traffic. That was one of the all-time start-to-finish best title defenses I've ever seen from Volkanovsky. So, yeah, I, I both those guys should be on the pound for list. Whitaker especially. Colby should be up there too, in my personal opinion. I know he's on my rankings, but um, the problem with Colby, and, and I understand – I understand why there's hesitancy with Colby because yes, Colby has won a lot of fights. Colby has beat some very big names. Colby was very competitive, not once, but twice with Kamar Usman. And in, in the second fight, there are a lot of people who thought Colby beat Kamar Usman in the second fight. I did not think so. I thought if there, if this fight, and if, the, if they added two more rounds to it, Colby would be the champion right now. The momentum was clearly in his favor. I thought Usman won the first half of the fight and probably won, did enough to win the third round. And Colby clearly won rounds four and five. And you can make a case for the third round as well. So, yeah, I, I get it. But the problem with Colby is that his resume overall, I mean, the wins and losses is great, but he hasn't beat like a top five relevant guy in a long time. Like, he beat Robbie Lawler. RDA is probably RDA is probably his best win. It might not be his most significant win and his biggest win overall in terms of fanfare and how many people watched it and everything. But the win over RDA is probably his best, the best win of his career. He became the interim champion, won the fight. A lot of people thought he was going to lose, and he went in there and won. And... Since then, I mean, he who has he beat? I, I get it. Like, I mean, he 
he mollywhopped Robbie Lawler. That fight was a absolute blowout from Colby Covington. And he barely and he barely wrestled. He just struck the whole time. He blew Robbie Lawler out of the water. Now, this is before Robbie really started to fade, but Robbie was kind of fading at that point. But then we go from there. He loses to Usman. Then he fights Tyron Woodley, which is a very big deal, but it was just too late. And I think, by the way, had they fought when Woodley was the champion, I would have picked Colby to win that fight. And I I think the fight would have gone very similar to the fight you actually saw with a little less hesitancy from, from Woodley. And then he goes and fights Usman again and close fight. But then he fights Jorge Mazadal, who isn't even in our rankings right now. And this is not an indictment on Jorge Mazadal. He's one of the biggest stars of the sport, but... Mazadal's not a top, he's just not a top five, top 10 welterweight right now. He just isn't. So that's why this Hamzat fight makes all the sense of the world. It makes all the sense of the world because Colby, and I don't blame Colby for how this is all played out. He's doing what you're supposed to do as a prize fighter. You take the biggest names with the lowest risk for the most amount of money. And that is what this man has done. Now, a lot of other people were like, well, he beat Mazadal. It's not a big deal. Let's, let's just throw this out, out there as well, just to play devil's advocate. A lot of people had an issue with that booking, but let's not forget, this is not the original plan. This is not the original plan for that card. They weren't going to do Colby versus Mazadal. They had two title fights booked, and then they shifted things around, and they had no main event. So they called Colby, and they called Mazadal. They gave him what they wanted. And they headlined a, a pay-per-view because they had no other option. So I don't blame Covington for this. This is not like Covington's idea. Oh, let's do this in a main event fight. This is the UFC saying, hey, we need a main event and we need one now. Can you do it? And they both said yes. And it was a big fight and Colby won it. So I don't blame him for the road he has taken because if the name of the game is prize fighting, Colby has done, ver- done that very, very well. But at this point, there are no real prizes left for him at 170 pounds. Yeah, he could fight Poirier, but that's like that's a good fight. And Poirier is a name, but are you confident that putting Colby versus Poirier as a pay-per-view main event is going to do 500,000 pay-per-views? I don't. I don't. Maybe the, the fight week build will get interesting because it's personal between those guys, but... I just don't think like I think Colby I think Colby wins that fight easily. He just has to avoid getting KO'd in the first seven minutes of the fight. But I think Colby would just I think Colby would just take him down and and just gas out Dustin Poirier and win. Like I have very little interest in seeing that fight. Colby versus Shamayev is by far the biggest fight he can get right now. And that includes Leon Edwards, by the way. Leon, getting a shot at the belt would be a very cool thing. It's a big deal. But more eyeballs for sure. If you told me that a pay-per-view is being headlined by Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, or you have another pay-per-view headlined headlined by Colby Covington versus Hamza Shemaev, which one is going to do better? It's Colby versus Shemaev, and it's not even close. And Colby's smart enough to know that if we're playing a game where let's make the most amount of money, that's the fight. That's the fight. The stakes are as high as they can be because he has two losses to Kamar Usman. And if for some reason Usman beats Leon Edwards and gets that title back and 
Colby goes in and beats Hamzat Shamayev, the killer of all killers. Colby's fighting Usman a third time. There is no, they're not running it back with Leon. They're not doing anything else. They're going to do Usman versus Colby three. And if Leon wins, they're going to do Colby versus Leon. But that is the most high stakes, biggest money fight Colby can get right now. And honestly, it's a fight Colby can actually win. A lot of people are counting him out. I think Colby can win. I wouldn't pick him, but I think Colby has a chance. This fight gets extended. Colby has a chance to win that fight. So anyone who thinks he's just going to get run over, yeah, there's, there's a chance that Hamzat just manhandles him like he does everybody else. But Colby is very durable. He's very defensively sound. He's a survivor. He gets in bad spots and is overcome. And if that fight gets extended, Colby could definitely win. So, I like for all the people who say there's no way Colby takes that fight, I think he would take it. I think he would take it. And I'm curious to see if that's the fight the UFC goes with. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. All right, let's see if we can get Chase going here. Chase, do we have What's you? What's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, how are you doing, Oh, sir? I'm doing good. How are you, bro? Good, my man. I have got a question for you about the uh, the Bryce Mitchell and Evloyev fight that just got announced yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So you talked about it a little bit earlier, but I just want to know, like, what do you think happens to oh, – excuse me. What do you think happens to the winner of this fight? Like, do you think that they – do they just shoot him up against, like, a Josh Emmett or a Brian Ortega? Or do you think maybe they get, like – like Arnold Allen or uh, Calvin Cater, the winner or loser of that fight. Uh, just what do you think happens to uh, to the winner of the Evloyev and, and Bryce Mitchell fight? It's a great question. That's a that's a big one. They, I mean, they could do, they could certainly do like a little midi Grand Prix here. It just just match the winners up. Because the UFC wants to do Josh Emmett versus Yair Rodriguez. But Yair has come out and said, let's be honest, Yair Rodriguez things. I'm not fighting anybody unless it's for the belt. And then he's even said, like, I'm not fighting anybody unless it's Alexander Volkanovsky. And he's willing to wait as long as it takes. Now, as we know, as fans of the sport, that is obviously a terrible idea. And the UFC and Yair Rodriguez... They have had issues in the past on similar things. So the stakes are really high for both of these for both of these fights. And to also put it in perspective, these are all fresh matchups for Volkanovsky. All of them. Now, if Volkanovsky decides to make the move to 155 and they do an interim title fight, and Yair doesn't want to do it, the winner of Cater Allen certainly would have an argument for that. 
And the winner of this fight would certainly have an argument for that. Both these guys are just real good. Um, and God, it's, I mean, they're going up. There's no doubt about it. They're fighting. They're fighting somebody in the top six. Ortega is interesting. Cause I just don't know. I just don't know where he's at physically right now. After what happened in the Yair fight. You have to think if the UFC goes back to London twice, they're going to give Arnold like a very big fight on that card if he beats Calvin Cater. Yair is there, but if Yair's not going to fight Josh Emmett for the interim title, then he's probably not going to fight Mavzar of Loya for no title. So who knows? Maybe maybe Max Holloway is in play here. Maybe Max Holloway is in, pl- is in play. Maybe Max will, will watch these two fights and feel like, this one gets him going. Like if Arnold Allen beats Cater, maybe he's like, ah, oh, you know, it'd be fun. Me and Arnold Allen getting in there and chucking hands at each other. And Max has that power. Max wants to fight Arnold Allen, Arnold Allen off of a win. He'll get it. So yeah, it, the stakes are very high. I, I, it's hard to pinpoint names at this point, but they're getting big fights. Whoever wins that fight is getting a big name. So if maybe Cater. I think if Cater wins, they're going to match the two winners up for sure. Let's go to Brian. Hi, Mike. Sorry about that. My mic was off for a second. How are you doing today? I'm good. good How are you? Thanks. Um, I wanted to switch it up and talk a little bit of PFL involved with the UFC. So seeing Marlon Marais go to the PFL was actually pretty sweet. I think – I know his chin's kind of going, but I think he'll be safe enough in the PFL. There's a ton of wrestlers um, at 45, so I'm not too worried about him on that part. But kind of brought up an interesting point. Um, I feel like the UFC is now obviously such a – popular uh, company where the one through 15 is much different than the one through 15 or I should say one through 30 is much different than one through 30 in divisions than like 10 years ago. So do you think this is like the best way for those like mid 30 year old guys? Maybe they got their title shot already. They kind of left. Um, they still have gas in the tank, like a couple years, like a Santos. Um, but they're just not, they're kind of just fighting the up and comers. And is that kind of a better option you think than being a gatekeeper in the UFC? Do you think that's going to be like a more prevalent option going forward? Um, thanks Mike. It's a great question. And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. If you are any guy that has one fight left on his deal that is flirting in somewhere in the top 10 or behind, you have to look at the PFL as an actual option. Because, let's be clear, in the PFL, people can say whatever they want. Because Bellator says this all the time. They all do it, and they all should do it, because that's what you're supposed to do as a promoter. But to say that your division is better than the UFC's division is just dumb, and it's wrong. But it's still good, and it's still relevant. And, at the same token, you can make some money there. Now, it all depends on how much money you can make. Because... We've heard fighters saying that they're making life-changing money with the PFL. And we've heard fighters say that they've made less money for playoff fights than they did for regular season fights in big spots. So the PFL business model is interesting. They're starting to get a little bit of buzz right now. But if you are, like, if you're Apollo Costa right now, you are not signing an extension. You are not signing a new deal. You are betting on yourself. You fight whoever they tell you to fight, and then you do the damn thing, and then you go and march your happy ass over to the PFL because the opportunities there are better. 
The PFL is probably going to pay him more per fight. And you have a chance to win a million dollars. And Paul Costa could compete at 185 or 205 and do just fine over there. So if you are a fringe UFC fighter at this point, if you're a fringe top 20, top 25 guy, and you feel like you're not going to be fighting for a title anytime soon and your contract is running up, the PFL has to be a viable option. 100%. Do I believe, like, do I buy into everything the PFL is saying and doing? No. But if you have the chance to make a bunch of money and then end the season winning another million dollars, I think you have to look at it. I think you have to look at it. Let's go to Derrico. Hey, Mike, just a quick one. Uh, Sure. Do you think that the winner of this weekend's main event draws into... Oop. Derrico, you still there? Unmute, unmute. I got like half the question. There we go. I got half the question, then you got cut off. Sorry, Mike. I just got a call. Um, do you think that the winner of this main event draws into Cheeto Vera? Hmm. No, I don't. No, Cheeto's. I mean, look, this fight has stakes, but I, I'm Cheeto right now. To me, is the front runner to fight for the belt, to fight the winner of Aljamain Sterling versus T.J. Dillashaw. Now, that could all change before that title fight happens when Piotr Jan fights Sean O'Malley. Because if Sean O'Malley beats Piotr Jan, he's fighting for the title. There's, I mean, there's just no other way around it. Sean O'Malley's fighting for the belt if he wins on October 22nd. But if he doesn't win and Piotr Jan wins, they're either going to do Vera versus Jan or they're going to just give Vera the title shot. And in my eyes, Vera deserves the freaking title shot unless Sean O'Malley wins. So... I don't think the stakes are that high. It's hard to give that to Sanhagen when he's lost two straight. Granted, the level of competition is tremendous. Losing to TJ Dillashaw in a fight, which, by the way, 90% of people thought Sanhagen won. And then losing to Jan in just a really competitive fight, one of the better fights that doesn't get enough credit from last year. Two and five in his last, two and three in his last five. I mean, it's tough, man. It, it's it, it's tough. But Sanhagen, we all we all are very aware of how talented this guy is and what his ceiling could be. And Song Yidong is 24. He's going to turn 25 in December. This guy's career is just getting started. He's only going to get better. I think this I, – I think, honestly, I think a fight with, like, Rob Font kind of waits for the winner. I think that's fine. Like, that's still a relevant fight. Font's coming off of a couple losses himself, but but again, he's lost to Jose Aldo and he lost to Marlon Vera in fights that Rob actually performed very well in. He just got caught in multiple rounds. Like, go look at the stats of those two fights, and if you didn't actually see them and actually watch the fights for what they were, you would think, just by looking at the numbers, that Rob Font beat the hell out of both of those guys. But he just got caught. That chin didn't hold up. And he took took some punishment. But I think that's Rob Font versus Song Yudong or Rob Font versus Corey Sandhagen sounds pretty damn fun to me. Um, and by the way, let me just clear something else up. I know I've mentioned it on the show multiple times, so I'll go ahead and mention it again. Any talk about Rob Font versus Adrian Yanez is not true. 
They're not fighting. I mean, not saying they'll never fight, but they're not fighting now. I saw some reports that they're fighting at Madison Square Garden. It's not true. That's not true. Rob's not fighting until March at the earliest. They're giving him time off. He had two tough fights against Jose Aldo Marlon, and uh, Marlon Vera. He's not fighting. Don't believe those reports. He's not fighting until March at the earliest. He's healing up. He's got a really good team behind him. That's going to make sure he doesn't make the wrong choice to come back too quickly, especially against a guy like Adrian Yaz. Like, what does Rob Font have to gain by coming back early and fighting Adrian Yanez. He has nothing to gain there. Nothing. All you're doing is just slowing down. You're a very compelling prospect, not taking anything away from Adrian Yanez, but to go from Jose Aldo to Marlon Vera to Adrian Yanez makes no sense for Rob to Rob for Rob Font. If Rob Font had beat Jose Aldo, there's a like you could make a strong case he was, he's getting a title shot. So I, I just don't believe that. It's not happening. Uh, we won't see Rob Font until earliest first quarter of 2023 and like the end of the first quarter. Uh, so don't believe any of that. Uh, let's go to Beal. He's been waiting for a while. Beal, hello. Hey, Mike. What's up? What's up, man? So, uh... Speaking of the Adrian Yanez and Rob Font thing, who do you think, if that fight doesn't get made, uh, who do you think Adrian should fight next? Um, I think he's got a pretty high ceiling, but, uh, yeah, I feel like Rob Font is a big step up in competition, and, yeah, I don't know if he's ready for that. Also, uh, the episode of BTL yesterday was fucking fantastic. Um, the whole discourse about Kamzat being the uh, – Number one, uh, welterweight was just was just great, uh, and I totally understood both sides of what Sean L was saying and uh, what Jed was saying. But yeah, anyway, have a heck of a weekend, Mike. Thank you, sir. Uh, yes, BTL was great. Who should Giannis fight? That is a great listen. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna say it again. It's right there. It's right there for us all. Do Adrian Gian- if if you want to put Adrian Giannis in with a veteran. If you want to put him in with a guy that has a name that could help propel him in some way, I know this will make some people sad, but I've been saying for a while since the Tony Kelly fight, it doesn't seem like Cody Garbrandt's fighting Ronnie Aya anytime soon. Just book Adrian Yates versus Cody Garbrandt. You, we tried. Listen, we tried to give Cody a guy that doesn't have any knockouts. We've tried. But... It's just not happening. We're dealing with like neck injuries and things like that. Like we, you can't go back to the well. So just book that one. Do that at MSG. That's fine. Like I'm cool with that. That might be a step up for Giannis too, but it's a step up that actually makes sense. It's a step up that makes sense. Cody has a lot more to fight for right now than Rob Font does. Cody's got to win. Cody has to win his next fight. And skill for skill, Cody can beat Adrian Yanez. But Adrian can crack too. And we know how Cody can be if he gets into firefight exchanges. Sometimes he gets a little emotional, and you don't want to do that against a guy like Adrian Yanez. But now you have it. Cody needs an opponent. I'm not saying do it October 1st. Just push it back. Push it back a month. Do that fight at MSG. 
You think Cody's going to say no to that? Hey, we'll bump you from the apex in like a early main card fight that no one's going to watch during college football season. Or we could put you at Madison Square freaking garden to fight Adrian Yanez. What's he going to do? Say no? You got to do that. I love that idea. That's what I would do. But we'll see. Let's go to Tristan. Hey, Mike. What's up, buddy? Hey, um, two things I want to ask you. Um, so we have um, November 12th at MSG, Dan Hooker versus Claudio Puez. And um, where are we at with Dan Hooker at this point? Um, he's going to be fighting a very dangerous fighter. I know you're very high on him, on Claudio Puez. I know you've been raving about him a lot, and he's been just absolutely heel-hooking everyone. So, I mean, Hooker has – I think Hooker probably his only chances by any means necessary keep this on the feet because, you know, Perez is not that great with his striking. He's okay, I guess. But everybody knows his, his grappling is what um, gets his wins. So um, just your thoughts on that. I mean, because, I don't know, if Hooker loses – Another one in devastating fashion. I mean, I don't, I don't I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but I could hear people saying he might be washed after that fight. So we'll see. But I just want your thoughts and your assessments of where Hooker is at at this point of his career. And then um, another fight that is very interesting is um, Jack Shore versus um, Kyla Phillips. Um, right now, Jack Shore is now getting a test. He's passed the first test because he lost to Ricky Smolin. He got knocked out. This is another test that he's got to show that um, he's worth being top 15 here because Kyle Phillips is no freaking joke, man. He's no freaking joke. So I just want your thoughts on that fight between Kyle Phillips and Jack Shore. I mean, again, uh, we got to see if Jack Shore can pass the test because Kyle Phillips is a gamer. So just your thoughts on that, and thanks for everything. Have a heck of a morning, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, So this is a good news, bad news type of question. I'll start with the good news side of it. Um, It's a big fight for Dan Hooker. It's a winnable fight for Dan Hooker. It's a fight he has to win. Now, I think he's in good favor at the UFC. People like Dan Hooker. He puts on exciting fights. He's never in a boring one. So I don't think, like, his job is in jeopardy or anything. But, yeah, the best his best path to victory is to keep this fight on the feet. But 15 minutes with a guy like Claudio Puez, it's going to hit the mat at some point. So it's just a matter of can he survive the trickery and the prowess on the mat of a guy like Claudio, Claudio Puez, who, by the way, is just flying under the radar. No one's talking about this guy. We're talking about this surge of prospects at 155 pounds, guys that are just climbing the ranks that know that – that, that could be a problem. Claudio Puez is not getting mentioned in any of these conversations. So this is a big opportunity. This is perfect. This is A-plus matchmaking right here. This is perfect matchmaking. It is one half of the, the kings of matchmaking. I take my cap off to the UFC here. This is exactly what you need to do in this type of situation. Because it's a very winner. It's a, it's a fight that Dan Hooker could win and probably should where just looking at the stature of him and looking where he's at in his career and where he's at in the UFC and how people view him. But Claudio could win, and then finally people will start talking about him. So this is A 
plus matchmaking. Now to the bad news. I can't answer that question, Jack Shore, Kyler Phillips question, because the fight's not happening. Jack Shore is hurt. Serious knee injury. Uh, Let me pull up the statement here uh, from Facebook, written by the great A.K. Lee, MMAfighting.com. Unfortunately, I'm out of my upcoming fight due to a serious knee injury. Going to be sidelined for for likely the rest of the year, as this one is going to take a bit of time to get right. I'll go into more detail about the specifics on my next podcast, Save the Long Post. Thank you for all your support. Now, I've not listened to his next podcast or even if he's released the next podcast. Uh, but November 19th, Kyler Phillips needs a new opponent. So it will not be Jack Shore. So we'll see what happens. Let's go to my man Viking MMA. A.K.A. The demigod. What's up, Viking? You. Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. How's that meeting with the teachers? It was good. It was good. Good stuff. Oh, oh all right. Mm, I just want to talk to you about uh, you know where where is everyone is concerned about Tony Ferguson. So I'm. Mm, it's kind of a on to the next one thing, but as you were saying, McGregor is not in the mood cutting weight. So what if he wants to continue in welterweights? And we all know whatever he says. And I mean, I'm this and that, whatever. But he's not a modern day great anymore. The Conor McGregor. There are so many extremely skilled uh, skilled fighters at the present. So if he wants uh, to win a fight at welterweights, Tony versus McGregor, it will be the best for the both of them guys, McGregor and Tony. But still, it it depends on Charles versus Makache, right? Um, Tony versus McGregor, what's your thought on that? And could you please just tell me why a freak Michael Chandler is considering himself in the title shot conversation. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, sir. Uh, so I'll address the first question because whether you like it or not, he is in the title conversation. He is. He's in the title conversation because people like him and people will pay money to watch him fight because he's exciting. People like Michael Chandler. They liked watching him fight and then he cuts promos afterwards. The dude is in play, absolutely in play, because he's a fresh matchup for, especially if Islam Makachev wins, he's a fresh matchup for Islam Makachev. So it happens when you create interest and become a star, and that's Chandler has become a bit of a star in the UFC, so that's why he's in this discussion. If he goes out there and just bolts Dustin Poirier, he's in the mix. There's no doubt about it. He was... People were talking about him being in the mix after he knocked out Tony Ferguson. So, I mean, unfortunately for, for Chandler, that, that win didn't age all that well because he went on and fought, like, pretty quickly right after, and then he got submitted by Nate Diaz. But at the time, like, people were saying, like, what are we going to do with the title? And if they couldn't get Islam in, in that spot or the UFC wasn't convinced, it would not have shocked me at all to see them go back to Michael Chandler. I know him and Oliver had just fought, but 
it was a very good it was a close fight michael chandler was two punches away from winning the title so he's definitely in the mix the connor ferguson thing listen it would not shock me in the slightest if that's the direction they go now they could there's so many it's so hard to match make for connor because you never know what they're gonna do could they throw him in there with Oliveira if he wins. I think there's a very good chance that that could happen if Oliveira beats Islam as more of a favor to Charles because Charles will destroy Conor McGregor, uh, in my opinion. But if you're going to do what you did the last time and you want to throw Conor in with somebody with a name, but it's a very winnable fight, a guy who's going to sell the fight and create interest, Donald really didn't sell the fight. Neither did Conor really because they were like buddy-buddy. I don't think it'll be that way between these two guys. I think there'll be a pretty hectic fight week. Some things said that we're just going to be like, oh boy, did he really just say that? So it actually, like, in, in all honesty, might actually be the best way to go. I would just not want to see Tony potentially get knocked out again, but I don't know, man. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. And there's a shot that if the dominoes fall in a way where tight Connor can't get back at a title fight, I would do, you could do Ferguson. I also love the Justin Gaethje idea because that fight is just absolutely rules. All right. He's been waiting. He's been jumping in. I was going to get to him, but he keeps jumping in and jumping out ahead. King ahead. Hello ahead. Oh no. All this and you can't even come in. What the hell, Ahid? Let's go to Michael. Fantastic first name, by the way. Michael, are you there? Unmute. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. Do we have you? Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, how are you doing anyways? I'm too good. How are you? I um, how does Pion benefit from? Oh, you're breaking up. If he loses, it seems like he goes way down the board. If he wins, Cheeto is probably still next. So it it just seems like a one sided thing, and um in the benefits category. And that's it. Thanks, man. Um, so you broke up for like the first half of the question, but I think where you were going with was how does the fight with Sean O'Malley benefit Piotr Jan in any way? A couple of reasons. One, Sean has all the hype right now. Sean is a must-watch guy at 135 pounds. He just, he is, whether you like him or not, people are interested in seeing him fight. Now, unfortunately, the Pedro Munoz fight ended the way that it did. But I can tell you, during International Fight Week, when I was asking people about which fight they were looking forward to the most, Volkovsky Holloway was probably getting 52%. The other 48 was Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz. People want answers. And they want them from this guy. So... Considering where this division is at right now and who was booked and who wasn't at the time, because when this fight was announced, we already had all these other big fights on the books. Some of them have already happened. Some of them are still coming up. This is the best thing for Piotr Jan. 
He gets this is the prize fighting mentality. He gets the biggest name stylistically probably in 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 terms of experience, probably the lowest risk. It is I'm not saying that in like a Sean O'Malley could never win this fight kind of way cuz I think he has a chance to win. But this is as good as it gets. You get a low-ranked guy who a lot of people feel that you are heavily favored to win and a guy with a ton of buzz right now. This is a good thing for Piotr Jan. This is the best thing that could have happened with the current landscape of this division. Now, if he wins and Aljo wins, there's two things that could happen. One, they could do Jan versus Marab. There's some heat there. And obviously, if Jan beats Marab, he goes and fights for the belt. They could do Jan versus Cheeto. If Jan wins that, he goes and fights for the belt. But if TJ Dillashaw beats Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan beats Sean O'Malley, it would not stun me at all if they just gave Piotr Jan the title shot. If they just went Jan versus Dillashaw, it wouldn't shock me. There's a story there. You can you already have footage of Jan calling out Dillashaw, calling him a cheater and running his mouth about him. You have a story. So, I mean, again, wouldn't stun me. So, while Sean certainly has more to gain here, I think there's plenty Jan can gain from this. Now, he probably is going to need TJ Dillashaw to win for him to gain a title shot off of this. But if he beats Sean O'Malley, he's a win away from getting back to a title fight, whether it's Sterling or not. So, yeah, I, I, there's definitely stakes for Jan, definitely. But Sean, obviously, being as low-ranked as he is compared to Jan, obviously has more to gain, and Sean's definitely getting a title shot at the win. So there are definitely stakes on the Jan side. Let's go to cryptocurrency, and then we'll go to Jacob, and then we'll get to the rest of y'all. Crypto, what's up? Yes. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, sorry, I'm outside. So, yeah, the weather is a bit bad here in Sweden. But, Mike, it's a free-for-all Friday, and let's have some fun as always. So I see that AK is listening as well. So I'm going to get butchered for this question. But anyway, so this is a hypothetical question, Mike. So let's say if for some reason Usman cannot fight against Leon Edwards uh, at the beginning of next year or in March or whenever, and the fight gets rebooked, against Chimaev at a neutral ground. So not London, not the UK, not Sweden, not, uh, I don't know, Abu Dhabi. Let's, let's just put it in Vegas for this example. And at the same time, Mike, for some reason, you are able to pick the winner of that fight, Chimaev versus Edwards. And if you pick the right winner, you are given $1 million. So there are no repercussions for you... I'm sorry, there's a thunderstorm here. <laughs> so there are no repercussions for you if you do not pick the correct winner. But if you pick the right fighter in that uh, scenario, you are given $1 million. So put away all your emotions and childish words as deserve and I think and ifs and buts. So who would you pick? And I want you to answer the same question. But if we would remove Chimaev, same question for Rachmanov. And also for Kobe Covington, one million dollars if you pick the right fighter, and just yeah, give me a clear question, Mike. Don't don't dance around the question. 
don't sound like a politician trying to decide how many genders there are. Just clear question. And uh, that's all, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, man. Uh, so you, you added some caveats to it because the way you initially addressed the question, this is going to be the easiest question of my life. Uh, and I mean this in no disrespect to Leon Edwards, but if you're giving me the opportunity to win a million dollars picking Hamzat Shemaev in a fight, I'm taking Hamzat Shemaev against pretty much everybody. There are very, there's maybe one or two guys where I'd have to think about it, but I'm picking Hamzat against pretty much everybody right now. And I feel very confident in that. So I, especially like stylistically against Leon, he kills Leon Edwards. I just don't see a world where Leon wins that fight. I just don't. So yeah. And again, no disrespect because I'm picking him against most people. So yeah, it's Hamzat. Shafkat, I think stylistically is, is a nightmare. And he, I would, I'd probably have to think about that a little more, but I probably would go with Shafkat. And I would pick Colby to beat Leon as well. Um, but not to say that Leon can't win either of those fights. I just think Shamayev trucks him. Shavkat's, maybe the lack of experience comes into play, especially we haven't seen him in a five-round fight yet. So I would have questions there. And I think Colby beats Leon. I think Colby beats most guys. The only ones, I, I if he fought Usman again, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. That's why I want to see those two guys fight again. But, yeah, I would pick against Leon probably in all three of those, but not saying Leon would couldn't win, but I would feel pretty confident picking Shamayev, that's for sure. All right, ahead, don't let me down, dude. Yes. but like anyway so mike uh, i've got some new points for today just to wrap up on yesterday though i didn't say leon uzman wasn't going to be a big fight i just don't think people for, for the reasons you said mike everyone knows that leon's gonna lose to all the wrestlers everyone knows this it's not like leon it wasn't a fluke but leon won't be able to reproduce it and uzman has no personality none mike he couldn't sell water to a dying arab in the desert let alone a fight he has no personality but um uh, and with regards to Hamza Hamza would have lost against Gilbert Burns if there was a round four or five Mike but in terms of prospects forget Hamza what about this guy fighting in the weekend Chidi Bang Bang and Kawani? this guy is a beast and he's experienced. I mean, this guy touches you and you're done. Like, he's almost the same height as Izzy, but this dude is thick and he's technical. Um, he His feints are incredible. It's just such a joy to watch the short time he's been in the UFC. Um, so I really feel this guy should be uh, looked at very carefully because I want to see him fight uh, Izzy and Alex. I really do. And lastly, yeah, like as in you, uh, people talk about Hamza, you're putting him in the power for power top 20, which is insane. People need to look at Chidi because this guy is legit. And lastly, Mike, we all saw what Habib said. I tried to keep my mouth shut because I was like, I oh, forget it. But this is twice now, Mike. He said some 
absolute garbage stuff. Firstly, he talked about Hamza and missing weight. And I'm like, you missed weight, you hypocrite. And then like, uh, now he's talking about Charles Oliveira not showing up. Like, you didn't show up against Tony. Why are you uh, at UFC 209? Why are you talking? It's crazy how this man... Uh, I didn't want to say anything, but this man acts so self-righteous. He acts like the spokesperson for everything to do with what's good and MMA and everything else. It's irritating. That's all I've got. Drop the mic, Mike. Uh, thank you, buddy. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with you. This, is, uh, this has been brought up a few different times about some of the things Habib has said. But, and that's why, in, in a lot of people's eyes, that, Islam has all the pressure on him. Like, like Charles has pressure too, but the pressure is mounting. And every time Habib comes out and says these things, you're just adding pressure to this man. Like if he goes out and loses to Charles Oliveira, he is going to get destroyed on social media. And this is not a, a fun place to get destroyed. I don't think Islam cares at the end of the day, but the UFC certainly does. The UFC certainly sees what's going on on Twitter and, how people are reacting to certain things. And yeah, I think Habib is just enhancing the pressure. And who knows? Maybe that's what Islam wants. Maybe that's what Islam wants. Some fighters thrive on that extra pressure being added upon them. Some fighters thrive on having that extra chip on their shoulder. And maybe that's what Habib is trying to do for his fighter. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him, so I don't know why he's saying the things that he's saying, but... He has said them. They are out in the universe for people to see. And there you have it. And I will stand by my Hamza pound for pound ranking because, again, is he a welterweight? Is he a middleweight? Who knows? Who cares at this point? Because this is pound for pound. And I'm, I am quite confident that Hamza Chemaev can beat every welterweight in this division right now. Uh, of course, he's got to make weight. I'm giving him a pass. I mean, I was hard on It's just dumb that he drops the bag when the UFC just handed him the golden baton and he just forgot it existed and went to the bathroom instead of grabbing the baton and running with it. So that stinks. But, I mean, look at the middleweight rankings right now. Look at the middleweight rankings right now. Let me pull them up real quick. Pull up the MMA Fighting Global Rankings. Quickly, um, no, I'm just gonna pull up my, I'm gonna pull up like my little, my little chart here. Like, let's let's just look at some of these names. Let's look at like Hamzat Andrzejewski. Well, tricky. I think Hamzat wins. Hamzat destroys Jack Manson. He destroys Derek Brunson. He beats Sean Strickland. He beats Jared Cannon here. Pereira is interesting, but I think he still wins. I think he beats Costa. And then we get to the top three, and that's where we possibly have a discussion. Robert Whitaker is a tough matchup for not just him. He's a tough matchup for pretty much everybody. But I'm not saying, like, Hamzat couldn't win. Marvin Vittori would actually be a really interesting fight for Hamzat because Marvin doesn't get finished by anybody. He is a freak of nature. He doesn't get hurt. He bleeds a little bit, but he just takes a beating and keeps going. It's just nuts watching this guy fight. He might have the best chin in MMA pound for pound. If there's a pound for pound durability and chin list, Marvin Vittori is in the top two or three easy. 
And then Izzy, I don't know, man. Like Izzy's, I mean, from a, like just a normal, from a usual MMA grappling standpoint, Izzy has shown that his defensive grappling is spent is spectacular. It's very good. It's very hard to get this guy down. And if you get him down, it's very hard to keep him down, but it ain't Hansa Shamayev that has tried to take this guy down. So that's why I'm justifying my ranking for Shamayev being a top 10 pound for pound guy, because he could win. He could win titles. You see a world where he could win titles at two different divisions right now. And it's not really a big argument against it. Could he lose to Whitaker, Vittoria, Adesanya? I would line those a little closer, but there's a chance he's favored in every single fight. Every single fight he's in moving forward at 170-185, he's the favorite. He's the favorite over Usman. He's like a 5-1 to one favorite over Leon. And then we go up to 185. He's probably like a 2.5-1 to one favorite over Vittori. It's closer with Whitaker, but he's probably the favorite there. And he's probably the favorite against Adesanya. Justifies my top 10 ranking for that guy. Because that's basically what a lot of people view pound for pound as. If this guy goes up a division, could he hang? If this guy goes down a division, could he hang? Hamza can. It's just a matter of, is he both? Or is he just one? And if so, which one is he? I don't know. Is he a welterweight? Is he a middleweight? Who cares? I mean, it's just, this is where we're at right now. So I'll justify that. And Chidi's the man. I agree with you, I hit. Chidi and Chukwani is is great. The fact, and let me just say this. The fact that that man had to go on the friggin' contender series to earn a UFC spot is absolutely ridiculous. It is egregious. It is stupid. It is dumb. All of those bad adjectives that you want to describe this as. I mean, how dare you? How dare you put this guy in the contender series? He should have been outright signed. And I, listen, I don't think we're going to be living in a world where Chidi and Jokowani is going to be fighting for the UFC middleweight title. But I know I'm living in a world that every time Chidi and Chikawani is booked to fight anybody, we're going to be like, oh, sweet. This dude's fighting on this card? Awesome. But we'll see We'll see what this guy's going to be. Is he going to be a top 15 middleweight? We'll get some, we'll get some answers on Saturday because Gregory Rodriguez, Greg, Gregory can go. That's a great fight. I'm really looking forward to that one. There's not a ton to look forward to on this card on Saturday, but that is definitely one thing I am looking forward to. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. We'll go to Jacob, then Troy, Jose, and Zeke. Jake, Jacob, what's up? Jacob. All right, try again. Let's go to Troy. Troy, are you there? 
Just gotta turn the mute off. Hey, can you hear me, Mike? Yep, I got you. All right, perfect. How you doing? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, talk about how Shamayev and Covington, like, they need to fight next because he's not going to be able to go back to 170 if he goes to 185, in my opinion. So, I think that fight, you think that fight could actually happen at MSG or would that be too soon? Uh, that's, I mean, that's probably too soon. That's probably too soon. But who knows? I mean, if you watch the MMA Hour earlier this week, his head coach, Andreas Michael, said that he wants to fight again before the end of the year. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think November's too soon. I think November's too soon. Do you have any more to add to that, Troy? Oh, uh, yeah. All right. So what about December then, the, the last pay-per-view? I think, I think you could throw that as a feature fight, co-main, uh, five-rounder, and it would answer a lot of questions. I mean, that fight, I don't know how people think about it right now. It sounds like everyone wants it. Um, a lot of people are hating on the, the, the weight miss. I don't really – I mean, he missed, he missed it. Yeah, it's bad, but it's only the first time that he's actually missed weight. So, like Jed kind of said yesterday, if he does it again, obviously he has to go to 85, and it will be an embarrassment if he misses again. But I think you just do – you go covington Shamayev right now, Costa, you know, you, you weigh 240 offseason. Why don't you fight Whitaker? You get through Whitaker, then you earn the, the star power in Shemaev later down the road. That's my opinion. Covington Shemaev would be insane. It would The presser, the buildup. You know Colby's not going to hold back. So emotional, Shemaev, like Shemaev's definitely going to have his emotions flaring. And whether it goes deep into the rounds and Shemaev gets it done or he gets it done early like he's been doing, I just I can't see how that fight isn't a perfect matchup stylistically. Thank you, sir. Um, I don't love the Whitaker Costa fight because I think I think Whitaker just I think Whitaker just outclasses Paulo Costa. I don't think this fight. I mean, look, Paulo's powerful and maybe lands a big shot, but I just I just don't see a world where that fight is even competitive. Really, it, I mean. Two guys with names. I get it. Now, the December pay-per-view is interesting because we don't have anything really official for that card just yet. Uh, there's lots of things being sort of toggled around right now. I know the France Ngannou situation is interesting. Like, Fran by the way, Francis is not fighting December 10th. Just, it's not happening. It would just be a stunning development if that is the case. But... I know there was a lot of talk about maybe maybe John Jones fighting Stipe on that card for the interim title, but I've said this a million times. There's no need. There's no need to do it if Francis is coming back in February or March and you can resign Francis. So why even book that fight when the fight we all want is Francis versus John? So I think they'll hold off on that. I know there's talks about Yuri and, and Glover maybe running it back on that card. Nothing done. Um, nothing announced. Like, it seems to be the direction, but it's not done yet. So you need fights there. It's just a matter of trying to put it together. So I'm going to play your game. I'm going to say we're going to live in a world right now where Hamza Shemaev can fight in December. And Colby Covington says, all right, dude, I'll fight you in December. Here's what I would do. Right now, that December 3rd card is headlined by Derek Brunson versus Jack Hermanson. Fine fights. This is not a main event. 
it's it's not a main event. This is an apex main event, but this is not a hey, we're taking the show on the road kind of main event. We want to sell out an arena kind of main event. This isn't doing it. This is not it. Okay? So, living in this world where Shamayev can come back and try to make 170 before the end of the year, what I would do is I would move Brunson Hermanson to the pay-per-view, and I would headline that card with Colby versus Shamayev. Because in Florida, Colby is the Florida guy. He's the baby face anyways. Let's put him in Florida. And you know who else loves him? You know who else in, Who else they love in Florida? They love Hamza Shabayev in Florida. Now, I don't know if they're going to love him after missing weight, but you put Colby, if you're going to put these two guys together, just do it there. Do it there. Do it there. If you're going to put two title fights on this card, you don't need Colby versus Hamzat. It'd be a cool little addition. But just say, hey, Derek, Jack, we're going to pay you the same amount of money. We're just going to bump you a week. We'll put you on the pay-per-view main card, last pay-per-view of the year, and we're going to headline this card with Colby Covington versus Hamza Shemaev. And by the way, looking at this December 3rd card, which is going to be in Orlando at Amway, at Amway Center, it's going to be the last fight night card in front of people, the second, la- second to last card that's selling arena tickets for the rest of the year. This card is not good. You get Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson. It's just not a, it's not a hey, we need to sell 15,000 tickets main event. It just isn't. Chasey Cortez, Amanda Hebus, good fight. Mateus Nicolau, Matt Schnell, good fight. Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, cool. Eric Anders, Kyle Dawkins, cool. Marcelo Rojo, Francis Marshall, cool. And then it's just like cool fights. Natan Levy, Gennaro Valdez, Michael Johnson, Mark Casey, Darren Elkins, Jonathan Pierce, Angel Hill, Emily Ducote. I mean, we got we got to build this baby up a little bit. And if, if how you build it is to shift this main event back a week and then give us Colby versus Shamayev, sign me the hell up for that. And then I can go to that one too because I could just drive there. It's like four hours away. But that's what I would do. All right, Jacob, do we have you? Lovely. All right. Uh, hopefully you can hear me now. But yep, I oh, perfect. So, got two questions. Won't waste time too much on it. Number one, then in the future, there is a fight between Edson Barboza and Ilya Teporia. Now, I genuinely think Ilya Teporia is now going to stay in the top five for a long, or top ten anyway, for a long last time. Edson is on his way out. Why have the UFC made this the main event? I don't know. Now, it's not going to change, but at the same time, let's be honest with ourselves here. Only person that wins from this is Edson. Or they're gonna, or Edson's gonna get chirped and spit out. Why have they done this? Why do you think? Next question: If and it's a big if, if Charles Oliveira does beat Islam, and if he does, he's gonna submit him. If he beats him, is he the greatest lightweight of all time? I mean, they got it's either they've got more the, uh, the same title defenses, even though he's not champion, or it's one more anyway. Who is the greatest lightweight? Because honestly, at this rate, you could argue yeah, could be he's undefeated, but what is more? compelling of a story. An undefeated bloke or the bloke that never thought to be the champion? I'm picking the guy who never thought to be the champion. But anyway, those are my questions. I won't waste your time too much. Thanks, man. It's never a waste of time. Um, Barboza Tafori is not the main event. Uh, I don't know if I misheard that. Uh, Cater Allen is the main event. But we listen, we know why this fight's happening. This is 
this is classic pro wrestling UFC booking. We're trying to build a name off of a name. And like Edson's not the biggest star in the world, but Ed, every, any MMA fan knows who Edson Barboza is. And they've seen the highlight reel knockouts and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is just where he's at right now. Edson fought Bryce Mitchell in his last fight and got absolutely trucked. He got 30-25 by Bryce Mitchell. And then he got knocked dead by Giga Chikadze in the fight before that. Like, this is just where he is right now. He's lost five of his last seven. Now, granted, these are all very good names. Justin Gaethje, Paul Felder, Danny Gay. Although a lot of people thought Edson Barboza beat Danny Gay. He beat Mako Americani. Knocked out Shane Burgos in a crazy fight. And then he got knocked up by Giga. And then he got trucked by Bryce Mitchell. So this is just kind of where he's at right now. And it's a win-win. Like if Edson wins, we get to be like, damn, this guy is a G and he's a vet and go Edson. And if he loses, like, damn, Ilya Tapuri is real good. So, yeah, that's exactly why they booked that one. That is exactly why they booked that fight. Um... I unfortunately, I forget your other question. Sorry. Maybe maybe Jose can help me out with that. Jose, what's up? Jose? Hey, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm here. Um, so I got three questions for you, and, and you can spend as much time as you'd like on the, the one that you probably know m- most about. So I've got a, a question about Jeff Neal. What are his future plans? I hear no one talk about him. Um, I think he's important in that division, especially the way he finished Luque. Um, is Gilbert a possibility, maybe? Um, I know it would probably be the short end of the, end of the stick for Gilbert because um, he's wanted a big fight for, for a while now, but I just think it makes sense. Um, maybe you have some thoughts on that. And then a big one for me, because no one talks about her anymore, but I think she still has title implications if if they give her the right fights. And soon, rather than later, um, Tatiana Suarez, where, where is she? Like, I haven't heard anything about her comeback. Um, and then last one, it's a Bellator question. AJ McKee, um, if he comes back, you know, uh, Sparks, uh, I forget the guy's name. I think it's Spike, Spike Carlisle. If he sparks him and then uh, maybe gets the rematch and wins, uh, what, when do you think he can maybe make it to the UFC? Because I, I still think he has star potential written all over him. And, uh, yeah, hope you have a great day, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. Um, what do I want to answer? I'll answer one, and I want to go to Zeke. Um, I'll go with the Agent McKee question because it's a little different. Um, I'm not really sure what his contract status looks like. He's not as open with it as he was before the rematch with Patricio Pitbull that he, he lost. And I, by the way, I still feel like he lost that fight. It was close. He feels like he was robbed. He definitely wasn't robbed, but he's also said like, he didn't take it all that seriously. And he didn't go out and try to finish the fight. Like he did the first time, didn't have the same motivation. And I think this loss is actually a really good thing for him. I think it's, it it put him down, but it also built him back up and we'll see how he responds against a guy like Spike Carlisle, who I think is actually the perfect opponent here because Spike don't, don't F around. He's going to go in there and try to decapitate this man. He's a crazy fighter. He puts on a ridiculous pace. He's all over the place. And he's winning. He's winning. And he's, like, probably jumping up and down at this opportunity. So AJ gets to fight literally in his hometown. He gets to fight in Long Beach. 
going to have all his people there. And he's going to go out there and do the damn thing. Probably going to win. And then it'll be interesting to see what he does. Maybe they go back and they they do the rematch with Patricio. Or, I mean, maybe he goes and fights Patricky if he beats Usman Nurmagomedov. But let's be clear. I'm very confident Usman Nurmagomedov is going to be the lightweight champion. I think Usman is, Usman is no joke. He's the real real. And I think he's going to beat Patricky and win the title. So then AJ's got options. Do you make the cut back to 45 and fight Patricio if he beats Adam Borch? Interesting fight. Or do you go up and challenge for the lightweight title? Because if he beats Spike Carlisle, his next fight will be a title fight. It's just a matter of where he wants to go. As far as the UFC thing goes, the loss really hurt him, honestly. It, it, It hurt him. Him going out there and losing a decision, his stock as far as free agency, it's still high, but it probably went from, oh, man, we have to get this guy to like, eh. We could probably still get him, but now we don't have to pay as much for it. And I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll say this before I go to Zeke. Here's what I'll say. Bellator screwed this whole thing up. And... I feel like I say this a lot with Bellator. And by the way, I like Bellator. I think they have a good roster. Their fighters are great. I love the people who work for Bellator. I love their PR team. I think they're fantastic. They're wonderful people. And covering a Bellator event live is a pleasure. It is a joy because they get it. They understand. But the problem is it is the powers that be who drop the ball all the time and it's not just because no one knows where to find the friggin product or that nobody knows that cards are happening it's that when you have these opportunities to pounce you don't do it aj mckee's stock after he beat patricio pitbull and won the friggin title and won the grand prix and got that ovation and got that pop walking out That dude should have been on every television show on the planet. I should have been waking up watching Good Morning America with AJ McKee on it. I should have been watching SportsCenter with AJ McKee on it. I should have been watching any television show, friggin' ridiculousness, with that guy watching prank videos. AJ McKee should have been on the damn couch with that guy. And he wasn't. We did not see AJ McKee again until he was a special guest commentator for Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. That dude should have been everywhere, plastered everywhere. On every show, he should have been on on all the big radio stations, doing all those big shows. AJ McKee should have been in the freaking Breakfast Club. That dude should have been everywhere. And he wasn't. He wasn't. And that affected his star power too, because guess what? It, most fans that come that like the sport, there's a good chunk of them who are new, and they're new because of the UFC. And there's a big chunk of those new fans who have no idea who this guy is. They don't know who AJ McKee is. They hear his name. I did an interview with AJ McKee when he, like, the day they announced he was going up to lightweight. You know how many people commented and said, "Who the hell is AJ McKee?" And this is not like a Conor McGregor joking around at Jeremy Stevens type thing. This is a legit question. They didn't know who this guy was. Why are you interviewing this guy? I don't even know who he is. That is Bellator's fault. 
Bellator screwed the pooch on this thing. AJ McKee should be a star. And not a Bellator star. He should be an MMA star. And they dropped the ball. And by the time the rematch came around, half like 60% of the buzz he had was gone. It was gone. I mean, people still are like, cool, they're fighting, but it did not have anywhere near the buzz that the first one had. Bellator built that fight up great. They had an entire Grand Prix to build it up. And they were smart about it. They set it all up so those two guys could fight at the end. But then after he won the belt, it was just like, all right, we're going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Let's focus on that card. Like, you got to be better. You got to be better at making these guys stars. You have to. The stars that are there are stars that were stars before they went there in the first place. Johnny Eblen just had, like, an incredible win over Gegard Mousasi. What was the last time you heard from Johnny Eblen? Where has he been? He's not doing anything. He was on the MMA hour, but that was like two days after he won the title. But where has he been since? Come on. We got to be better with this. We got to be better with this. Zeke, what's up, my man? My man, Mike, how are you? Good. Free for all Friday. Going to be much shorter than yesterday. Get the shot clock out. Thank you for having me on this immaculate social media network, uh, you know, promotion. First things first, uh, we got a matchup yesterday. Mozar Ivoyev against Bryce Mitchell. I think we're going to have an insane grappling contest. Do you think that Bryce Mitchell is going to struggle to get uh, Mozar down to the mat? I think he is. I think he's going to have to just string together, you know, takedowns. I think he's going to – I don't think he's going to be able to keep him down there, but I think he's definitely going to, you know, have to keep that cardio up, keep pushing forward on Mozar and – not let Mozart get his back because I think both of them are going to have, you know, insane work on the mat. Secondly, I'm a huge Cody Garbrandt guy. Definitely been watching him, you know, throughout the promotion with his relationship with Mark. Actually dropped off from the Mark Henry training camp most recently. Uh, what do you think's coming up for him next? We lost Ronnie Yaya, obviously. I think it was November, December. I'm hearing Adrian Yanez whispers, but again, I'm not 100% sure. I don't like to you know, jump on the first thing I hear because Twitter, you'll hear a thousand names with all these fights. And yeah, thank you for having me. Let's have a hell of a weekend and enjoy these fights. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, Battle Mitchell fight is great. It's just a great fight. Will he have struggles getting Evloyev down? Yeah, probably early, but cardio is not an issue for Bryce Mitchell. That dude can just go and go and go. But it'll be interesting to see if Loyev against a guy who pushes the pace like that. Because if Loyev is the way better striker here, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Bryce Mitchell could use that as a chip on his shoulder because he's going to hear that quite a bit. I'm sure he's fine with that. He heard the same thing going to the Edson Barboza fight. And guess what? He actually outstruck Edson Barboza in that fight. So, yeah, maybe that's a chip that he needs. It's a great fight. I mean, it's sensational. This is the featherweight version of... Saruki on Gamera, in my opinion. It's exactly what it is. And it should be the main event. It should be the main event. So, and I hope it is. Five rounds is way more interesting to three in a fight like this. Especially with a guy like Bryce, who just doesn't slow down at all. So, it should be an event. And I hope it is. But I love the fight. like the fight a lot. As far as Cody goes, I mean, there's no real whispers about the Adrian Giannis thing. 
I just like that idea. I think it makes sense. Adrian wants a big fight. A lot of people are saying, and again, a lot of people are reporting that he's fighting Rob Font in that card. That's just not true. He's not fighting Rob Font on any card anytime soon because Rob's not fighting anytime soon. So any reports or whispers you hear about that are just not true. But now that Cody doesn't have a fight, and we've already tried this Yaya fight twice. Just give him Adrian. Do it at MSG. Put it on that card. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. So I like that one. If you want to give Yana as a guy with the name, to me, Garbrandt's probably a bigger name than Rob Font. Not as good of a fighter right now, but Cody Garbrandt was the freaking champion of the world. You probably gain more from beating Cody Garbrandt just from what you're trying to do with the guy than you would get beating Rob Font. And Adrian has a good chance to beat Cody Garbrandt, in my opinion. He could lose that fight. It's a risk. It's a step up in competition, but it's a fight he can win. I don't know if he could beat Rob Font right now, but I think he could beat Cody Garbrandt and he would get the same amount of elevation beating Cody than he would Rob, if not more. So yeah, I like that fight. Nothing being discussed for as far as I know about it because we just found out Yaya is out of the October 1st fight. So it's up to Cody. And if Cody wants to wait for Yaya, that's fine. He could certainly do that, but if he just wants to get in there and he's like, damn it, like just give me something cool, go fight Adrian Yadas at MSG. That's pretty damn cool. Let's go to John. We'll take three more. John, hello. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, so I just wanted to follow up before. So is there any way you could interview Covington? Because I know you guys have gotten along before. To get that, I mean, you blew my mind out with the December 3rd card. Like, that's perfect for me, too. Close, I'm close to Orlando, so that would be amazing. And it seems like you're the only one that's advocating for this. So, like, I know you have talked to Colby before. That would be amazing if you could, like, get an interview with him because I haven't heard from him in forever. And I just don't want this fight to get pushed back so far because that's kind of how Colby usually works. And I like Colby. I do, but, you know. This fight needs to happen. Uh, thank you, sir. I, trust me, I would I would love to interview Colby. That would be great. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while. I haven't talked to him since after the after he beat Mazadal. That interview's up on MMA Fighting. It's like maybe two weeks after, a little less than two weeks after. Because it's very tough to get Colby like right after a fight because he wants to just kind of like unwind from it. So he doesn't do any interviews. He usually takes like a week or two off and then he'll do interviews. He, he only really does interviews with like in the MMA space with three people, me, the submission radio guys and James Lynch. That's it. That's it. Now fight week's different because you're obligated to talk to certain members of the media. That's why you'll see Kevin Ioli or you'll see Bronstetter, uh, Brett, you'll see guys who are like partners essentially with the UFC and they'll get those types of interviews. But if you go to Colby direct, he's only doing interviews like with MMA media with three people or three, three different entities, whoever James is on. Cause James works for 5,000 people. James is the friggin' man, by the way, submission radio guys who are also great and me. And as you can see, no one's talking to him right now. So I'd love that. I'd love to talk to him. And I would talk to him. I would talk to him just off the record too. 
I've known Colby for a long time. No one was interviewing Colby when I was interviewing Colby. He was just a dude that was winning fights, trying to get a bigger name, couldn't get it, wasn't doing a ton of interviews, but I interviewed him because I like Colby. I know the shtick's a little crazy, but I've known Colby before the shtick. That's why we have a good relationship. We've had our ups and downs, just like I've had with other people. But we always got through it. We always kept going. And that's it. So I've reached out to him a few times since everything happened with Maz- or allegedly with Mazadal. And I think out of like 12 attempts to, to get in touch with him, I think he's responded maybe one time. But I get it. I get it. Some of it's some of it's stuff he can talk about. Some of it's stuff he probably can't talk about. And there you go. But listen, he knows he knows that if he wants to talk, all he has to do is message me and I will for the most part drop everything I'm I'm doing and I will talk to him. Now if I'm hanging out with the family, it's a little different, but if I'm doing something else that I usually do, I will just stop what I'm doing and go. So I'd love to do it. Don't know when it's going to happen, but would love to do it. All right. The AM is going to take us home. Hello, the AM. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. There's a lot of fight announcements. Uh, I was going to ask you about uh, Bruce yes. Mitchell and uh, Movsar, but somebody already uh, did. There's also uh, an announcement for they announced the fight between Cater um, or Qatar versus, uh, versus uh, mm, what is his name? Arnold Allen for October 29th. What do you think about that one? I'm sure it will be a banger. I have also something to say about the Habib situation. Um, I don't know why he gets so much backlash whenever he says something, unlike the majority of. Uh, that fighters, we see fighters talking shit about other fighters' uh, wives and and uh, and families, but still they are cool. And everybody considers Chael Sonnen to be the, the 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 gangster for talking that shit. But Habib said something about Hamzat for for when he missed weight. He was not talking about the the missing weight per se uh, in in itself he was talking about the the behavior he was talking to a muslim population a muslim event in a muslim event and he was talking about setting an example to those kids he was he was criticizing hamza for giving the finger using all the cast words and all that um and every, every time habib says something all the a lot of people come out like why did he say that why would he criticize that why did he say this about charles he said what he said about Charles because it's a fight game. They are building up for the fight. That's why he's doing it. I, I can you please? Uh, I might be a, a a diehard fan. Maybe I don't see it the other the way other people see it. Will you please tell me if there's a difference between when uh, Habib says something and other uh, fighters say the, the same thing or worse? And thank you, and have a good day. Thanks, man. I mean, you make you make an interesting point. You definitely make an interesting point. Habib's just a, I mean, the difference is just Habib's a star and more people hear it when he says it. That's all. Um, and I think some of it rubs people the wrong way. And look, I've talked about this a lot. 
with certain fighters and things like that. I just talked to Tanner Bozer about this the other day, and I'm writing up an article transcribing everything he said because that dude is getting destroyed for saying something that got taken wildly out of context. So, but the problem with Habib is not only do we, do we live in a space where sometimes things get taken out of context, when you're a star like Habib, more people see it and more people play the telephone game where it becomes, oh, he's shitting on this guy, he's shitting on this guy, he's shitting on this guy. First of all, one thing that's important to note that when you are doing it, when you hear an interview with a fighter, you are only, for the most part, you are only answering the questions you are asked. So to bring up the Tanner Bozer situation, Tanner Bozer did an interview with JHK of the All-Star, who I like a lot. JHK is a good dude, hard worker, like the guy. He's talking to Tanner Bozer about certain elements that fighters need to be successful. So Tanner was asked about the importance of discipline and all these things. And Tanner's running down like how different skill sets, different integrations of a fighter can help you be successful, like having heart and all this stuff. Then he is asked specifically about mental coaches in MMA. He's asked about mental coaches in particular. And I will say that I've talked to multiple fighters over the years who have found and have used mental coaches. Now, here's the difference, though. Mental coaches are not therapists. They're not psychologists. They are sports-specific coaches. And so it's not like... so. And what Tanner said was, I think anybody, any fighter who uses a mental coach is weak. And in this space, oftentimes... That comment turns into, oh, well, Tanner thinks anybody with a mental health issue is weak. Tanner says that anybody who sees a therapist is weak. That's not what he said. That's not what he was asked about. He was asked about fighters who use mental coaches. And he also, when I spoke, because the problem with that interview was, and again, I'm not trying to be a hater or anything, but when a fighter says something like that, and this is why it's so important to listen and follow up. And Ariel talks about it all the time because when you say something like that and then you're going to use that as a headline or a social media quote or something like that, you have to follow up on that. You have to. You have to ask a follow-up question. Wait, why do you think that? Why do you feel that way? You have to clarify because then when you put up like a graphic, it's just like, oh, and you kind of buried them a little bit. But in reality, it turns into something totally different. And that's what happens in this space sometimes. It's what happens. So Habib might just have been asked a question. He responded and it turns into something else. So I get what you're saying. But Habib's just a star. And what he says oftentimes travels further. Just like if you ask Mazadal about it. what Because Tanner talked about that too. What Mazadal has to say about Hamza Chimaev missing weight and Habib has to say about Hamza Chimaev misses weight is going to mean a lot. It's going to carry a lot more weight than what Tanner Bozer says. Tanner responded. He had a fire response to it. But not a lot of people know who Tanner Bozer is. 
But they all know who Mazadal is. They all know who Habib is. And that's why there's more backlash than anything because it just reaches more eyeballs and reaches more ears. More than anything. So I get where you're coming from. So, I mean, you're not wrong. Actually, we'll take, we'll take one more. We'll take Wooly Boy. And then I got to go. Wooly Boy, hold Hi, on. mate. How are you doing? Good. Um, well, what it was, it was basically about Tony. I don't know if you've covered this because I've just jumped on, but I've had an intense debate all week with folk telling me that Tony's done. He's finished. And for his own safety, he needs to take it out just now. But what they did feel, I understand, was he'd been up to 170. He had no preparation for that fight, but their argument was his previous fights. But, but basically, my argument is it can, he still belongs there, it can still continue. And basically, what do you think? About, about Tony? About Tony retiring, yeah. Do you think he's still got it, or do you think it's detrimental to himself if he continues? All right. Um, thank you, sir. Yeah, we talked about... <sighs> These are always tough questions because you never want to, like... Especially in my position, like, who the fuck am I <laughs> like to tell Tony Ferguson he should retire? Um, but at the same token, like, as someone who's followed the sport, as someone who admires Tony Ferguson, I will say this. If Tony Ferguson decided tomorrow that he's going to hold a press conference at one of his gyms and announce his retirement, it wouldn't break my heart. It wouldn't break my heart. I would celebrate his career like no other. That's it. Now, if he wants to keep going, I'm not opposed to it. But I also don't want to see him. Like, if I see a frigging poster with Tony Ferguson fighting Shafkat Rachmanov, my head is going to explode. Or him fighting a Jeff Neal. That was the other question that I missed. What's next for Jeff Neal? Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Like, that would kill me. I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> if Tony Ferguson's going to fight, we need to put him on the Matt Brown, Carlos Condit tour, okay? You fight Matt Brown. You fight Robbie Lawler. You fight Joe Lozon. You fight those guys. You don't fight any of these killers coming up the ranks. You're not fighting Michelle Pajeda. You're not fighting Kevin Holland. You're not fighting those guys. You're not fighting the Leech. No. If, you get, if he gets the Connor fight, that's, a, that's fine. Get that bag, son. Go get that bag. And I think it's a fight. If Tony doesn't get clipped, he could probably win, honestly. The fight gets extended. He's got a chance. But nothing else. Nothing else. So if, if he wants to keep going and those are the fights that he's going to take, I'm cool with that. But I don't, I think, I think it's fair to say, and I think we're all in agreement that the Tony Ferguson road to a UFC undisputed title, that road is closed and that's okay. He's had a great career. He's won an interim title. He's had some big moments. The dude's a star. People go crazy for him all the time, even still, even with the five straight losses. Whatever he wants to do is cool with me. But if he's going to keep going, just please, for my eyes' sake, just fight the dudes you should be fighting. No leeches. 
no D-Rods, no Hollands, no Rachmanovs, no Jeff Neals. Yes to Matt Brown. Yes to Joe Lozon. Those are the fights. And that's cool with me. But if he says I'm done, I've done everything I need to do, that's fine too. It wouldn't break my heart. But it is breaking my heart that I have to say goodbye because I have to. We got things going on. Preview show, 3 p.m. Eastern, MMAfighting.com, YouTube page for UFC Vegas 60. I believe my best friend will be in attendance, Mr. A.K. Lee. Uh, we'll have People's Pre-Fight Show, 3.30 Eastern tomorrow. So get ready for that to get you ready for UFC Vegas 60. We'll have post-fight show, and then A.K. and I are going to do on to the next one into the weekend. And then I'm taking some time off, my friends. I will be here for this show and for BTL, but that's it. I'm going to be taking some time off next week. A little, little breather, relax a little bit. and uh, But I'll still be here. I'll still be here because you're the best. But until then, everybody, have a great rest of the day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you later on this afternoon for the preview show. And have a heck of a morning, you crazy animals. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.